Oh wait, it's too hard to do. Yeah, crack it. First time ever on the FPP. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, Mark, Mark Dalzell, he started out by saying, Hey man, do you have any, uh, anything in your fridge? We have, you know, yeah. fridge here at the FPP. He did a great so job uh, peeling that. Thanks, man. Ugh. People may not know, John's disgusting, Ugh. but I really enjoy hard-boiled, hard-boiled egg? eggs. <laughs> That is not a Mr. Brown, by the way. It's a Seagram's ginger ale. Look at the sugar content. Mar- oh, let's see what the sugar content is. What's your problem, man? It's disgusting. It's a ginger ale. No, it's sugar. It's like the most respectable oh, of all sodas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, um, is it, it's high, right? It 30 has, grams? How no, it? 16. Not bad. No. Ginger oh, ale. Oh, because it's a half a, half a thing. Yeah. I don't drink pop much, much pop no. anymore. So Mark's like, oh, we got any pop in the in the fridge, which is soda here on the East Coast, pop to people in the mid mid country. Yeah. Coca Cola, if you're down south. <laughs> Coca Cola. Coca Cola. Is that what they? Say? So he was in there. He's like, what's this? I'm like eggs, hard boiled. He's like, hard boiled eggs. Like never in a million years would I thought Mark no. would say, may I have a hard boiled egg? Like I didn't even know you liked hard boiled eggs. What does that mean? What kind of person doesn't like, like hard-boiled John, eggs? I don't. John, right look here. at him. Look at this guy. <laughs> Carl. Because John, John looks like uh, Professor Rick. 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 What's his name? Rick. Professor Rick. <laughs> Rick. 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 Rick from Grimes. Uh, Rick, from, Rick Grimes from Walking Dead. Yeah, John's got a gray beard. Walking Dead. So, hey, welcome to the Film Photography Podcast. Yeah. Uh, my name is Michael Rosso. I'm here in the studio with Mark Dalzell. Hello. And John Fideli. I'm Rick Grimes today. I'm drinking some uh, Seagram's ginger ale. I don't have any Mr. Brown left. Why not? Hint, hint, wink, wink, folks listening. Yeah, where are the donations? We're out of Mr. Brown. People don't know what it takes to do this show without Mr. Brown. Uh, Today, 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 you know, this is right before our winter break, by the way. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is going to be a sh- this may this may be a shorty. Huh. So don't, you know, don't be upset when uh, you know when yeah. after ten minutes the show's <laughs> over. <Yeah. laughs> anyway, thanks. We'll be back in two weeks. Hi guys, I'm Jack from Sydney, Australia. I've got into shooting film at the age of sixteen. I'm seventeen now. He's been shooting for a whole year apparently, and I've been loving my experience this past year. Awesome news. Thanks for spending your time creating the lovely podcast, and I'm going to be back to listen to the entire backlog. All right. That's obsessive. A lot of people do that, They huh? do. They really do. That's, that's encouraging. And I'm astonished that they can go back to episode one and actually make yeah. it through, because I, once again, I listen to those old, old episodes, and they seem like something archaic about them. It's like Doctor Who. I tell people, just yeah. skip to season two. Don't even watch the first oh, season. I, as a matter of fact, I think it was you or John. Yeah. By the way, your mic is saggy. I like it like that. Uh, it happened. You said, oh, Doctor Who. we got to get into Doctor Who. I went to season one, like 1963. No, oh, no, no. I don't mean season one, season one. Not that horrible. No, 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 no. We mean 2005, season one. The reboot. Oh, I went to The Christopher Eccleston season. No, don't do that. No, don't do that. I'd rather watch Paint Dry yeah. than it's, watch. It's a different show now. You yeah. should start the new show. I'll tell you, folks at home, if you're like at Netflix. home at night and you're like, you know, Boozing it up and getting a little tipsy. If you have Hulu, put on a show called Space 1999. Oh my God! Oh, Good. So what? Awful. Lord, Martin Landau and Barbara Bain. Yeah, it is incredible. It's so bad, it's good. And then there's the other dude, the professor dude. Yeah, he always comes in with a a chart that looks like a sixth grader made it. <laughs> of like what explains what's going on. It uh, makes no sense. Yeah. The episodes make no sense, but it's so much fun to watch. Yeah. Can we talk about cameras now? No, another show that's bad like that, Quincy, but that's another story. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Uh, I'm so thankful for the wealth of information you all provide and the giveaways, which I've yet to enter. It'd be really fantastic if I were to get on the show. If so, hi, Mom. Oh. <laughs> you made it. You made it. It's from Jack. Top of the world, Ma. Jack Crow. Jack Crow? That's a yeah. good name. C-R-O-W-E. Oh, fancy. Hey, you know what? We're just talking about TV and Quincy. You're going to love this letter. Oh, is it about Quincy? No. Colombo, Keep talking. <laughs> hey, Mike and the FPP gang. I was wondering if you guys have a list of favorite TV shows, movie scenes, or full shows that, uh, that have old cameras or film in them. Weren't we talking about Columbo with uh, film cameras? Do you know an episode of Columbo that does? You did- mentioned it. Oh. You I, mentioned it. You I've, don't remember? I've forgotten. You don't recall? No. 
Uh, I was just listening to Joby, Joseph Brunges, talking about questions uh, he has been thinking of while listening to the show, and it made me think of how I love the movie and TV show references that you guys make. Example, Man with a Camera, Midsummer Murders. One of my favorite scenes is The Great Muppet Caper. Oh, you should know about this. Uh, which includes a fashion runaway scene and a makeshift darkroom scene. You remember that? I don't. Huh. I also recently saw a Mystery Science Theater 3000 episode that had a camera store scene. I don't recall that. Yeah. I have to look that one up. Yeah. Speaking of Kickstarter. Those are both up your alley. Oh, man. I'm a huge mystery. Looking forward to seeing what you got. All the best, Tim Massey. Who's oh, that Tim from? Massey. Tim, Tim Massey. Tim Massey. We had lunch with him. Yes, we did. You remember Tim? Yes, of course. We met Tim at... Uh, the PS? What's the PS say? Oh, I'm sorry. Postscript. Where did the shoe come from? Show? What show? Is it Lawrence Welk reference? No. Oh. <laughs> where did it come from, John? What show? No, the shoe. shoe? Hey, uh, a really good shoe. Yeah, Ed Sullivan, right? Yes. Okay, this is from Sean Nelson. We met Sean Nelson at the FPP walking workshop in... Yeah. <laughs> Filmtastic episode of the podcast. Thank you for bringing Joseph Bringes on the shoe. I have so much respect for wet oh, plate... Can you repeat that again? Burping oh, my God. It's horrible. <laughs> Awful. Start again. Filmtastic episode of the podcast. Thank you for bringing Joseph Bringes on the shoe. I have so much respect for wet plate slash tintype photographers. Exclamation point. I learned a lot from your interview with Joseph. It's an incredible process and produces beautiful images. Definitely something Whoa, that will stop. get you no. on... John is clipping his nails while you're reading that letter. <laughs> Can you believe this? <laughs> you're reading the letter all here. I was doing such a good job like, of clip, reading. Clip. Oh, great. Now your DNA is all, like, just in... What if someone finds your nail? They can clone a happier version of me. Oh. John, why would you clip your nails? Because it's bugging me. I'm like sitting here rubbing my thumbnail. I'm like, oh, who brings oh. who has that nail clipper in their pocket? I just happen to have it because I had to cut my son's toenails today, if you must know. All right. Do you want to start over? You want to. <laughs> Go ahead. This is from Sean Nelson. Yes. Filmtastic episode <laughs> of the podcast. Thank you for bringing Joseph Bringes on the shoe. I have so much respect for wet plate tintype photographers. I learned a lot from your interview with Joseph. It's an incredible process and produces beautiful images. Definitely something that will get you on a no-fly list from purchasing the chemistry. Absolutely. <laughs> Those little cork-stoppered bottles and your little incense burners and lamps and whatnot. My question is about bulk loading film. Recently, a friend gave me an old Watson bulk film loader with some Kodak Plus X pan that expired in 1979. That'll be fine. <laughs> I've loaded and shot several cartridges with successful results. I'm looking forward to buying another 100-foot roll of film. When the roll is in the bulk loader, yes. should I be keeping it in the fridge if I'm not actively loading for a month or more? Yeah. Now, yeah? For, for a month, though? Oh. Providing your house is like 70 degrees. Well, I mean, the way I, the way I picture it is film time stops for film if you put it in the freezer. So I keep all my bulk loaders in the freezer. And there are times where, like, I mean, this is a perfect example where I think, oh, I'm going to load up some more film in a month, but then I don't. And I have bulk loaders that have been in the freezer now for two years that I just haven't gotten around to a rolling A bulk loader with film. film in it? Yeah. Okay. You see, I'd probably put my bulk loader in a, a Ziploc bag, but in the fridge, because the freezer, there might be some condensation inside. Mm. It's frozen. But when you defrost it. But ice. I'm not worried about that. Mm. So Mark is telling, telling us, uh, Sean, that he puts his uh, in the freezer. Well, if it's going to be a month, if it's really going to be a month, no. But my, my problem, my point is that I, I also think, oh, it's going to be a month. But then it turns out to be six months or it turns out to be whatever. Gotcha. So I just, why not? Stick it in the fridge. Stick it in the freezer. I Ziploc bag, sometimes two Ziplocs. Yeah. keeps condensation out. <laughs> fridge. Remember the anal retentive chef? No. Remember that skit from Saturday Night Live? I think so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just totally reminded me of that. Why? Uh, that was an old Phil Hartman skit. Oh, really? Where he's like, okay, today we're going to make, you know, like a banana sandwich. First we take the banana, we peel the banana. Now what you're going to do is take the banana peel, we put it in a piece of tinfoil, we fold it over two times, <laughs> three times, four times, fold the ends in. Now we take that, we put it into a Ziploc bag, make sure it's sealed. Take that Ziploc, put it into another Ziploc bag. <laughs> The <laughs> it's the anal retentive chef, yeah. and that's all his things. Yeah. <laughs> Who's this from? Wait, so are we done answering Sean's question? Oh, uh, well, if your house is like 68 degrees for a month, uh, not going to make too much of a difference. But if you're the anal retentive chef... Uh, oh, yeah, that's what you're saying, two you Ziploc bags. Two Ziploc bags put it in the fridge. Mm. Mark went the extra step freezer, but I don't freeze film unless I'm putting it into the deep freeze for years. So there you have it.
I just keep as my freezer is more full than my fridge. I just keep everything in the freezer because I figured why okay. not. Mm. But that's mm. me. Who's this from? This is from. Can I ask you a question? When you take it out, how long do you got to let it thaw for? If you take it out of the freezer, <laughs> me shoot it cold? zero. <laughs> oh, well, you're me. not supposed to shoot it frozen. You're supposed to let it warm up to room temperature. But yeah. I figure it's a thin piece of plastic. It warms up room temperature in like five minutes. So yeah. by the time I I roll it. The fastest I could roll it into a cartridge, get it into a camera, get it wound, and find something to take a picture of, it can't be any less than You're like an the hour. anti-Matt. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're like- I'm just trying to mess it up. I punch holes in the bellow of my 8x10 just to get some <laughs> interesting effects. <laughs> oh, my God. No. Okay. That would be Dane. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Who's next, from? Next question. Read it. Adam... Shimali, how to pronounce your name? Shim, as in a shim to fill a gap, and Ali, as in Muhammad Ali. <laughs> Easy peasy. Shimali, nice. Your flicker name? Shimagan. At Shimali. Incorporated. Just wanted to say hi. Hello, all. I just wanted to send greetings from your past. <laughs> I recently happened upon episode one three two of your podcast, but some five or so minutes in, I had to stop. I had to say to myself, Who the hell are these fine folks? Why was I not informed about them sooner? The answer was, of course, that I must have had some serious omissions in my education and upbringing. On the spot, I pledged myself to become an FPP completionist. Yes. I've traveled back in time to the year 2009. And I'm working my way forward through the episodes so as to reunite with you all before the end of 2015. In the future. In the future. In the future. In the future. So far, I've listened to 18 episodes, and it's definitely interfering with my personal life. (laughs) People, like, are binge listening to FPP, whereas that's what they're doing. Like, honey, no, honey, please. (laughs) I'm listening to the FPP. Take take the kids. Yeah. Stop talking about developing. I don't, you know. I don't care about talking about Polaroid. I'm an old-timey photographer and recovering digitalist. Ah, one day at a time. I took, developed, and printed my first black and white image when I was 12 years old, 40 years ago, with a Canon Canonet QL17. That's a classic. It was my father's camera, which I snagged. I entered that first print into a photography competition and went on to claim second place. Wow. From that first photo. Yeah. That's crazy. From that point, I was truly hooked. Who cares that there were only two competitors? Oh. (laughs) I've... I've owned a bunch of cameras over the years, but by the year 2000, I was reduced to just one film camera, a Roliflex 2.8F. Oh, poor guy. One. Only one camera, and that's yeah, the camera. That's the camera to have if you're going to have one, huh? From that time on, I probably only shot about one or two rolls of film a year, and the rest was digital. About a month ago, I resolved to get a load of old 35mm and 120 film scanned up and on the Flickr. Until now, my Flickr account had been pretty dormant. In the process of working out a good quality but affordable way to get my stuff digitized, of course, I made heavy use of the Google. The Google. That's how I found you guys and girls, and that has made me very happy. I really enjoy your enthusiasm, the informative discussion, leavened with fine fart sound effects, and the general (laughs) goofiness of the proceedings. Does it really say that? It does. There are so few episodes with the fart sound effects. You dropped them pretty early on. Yeah, they were early on, then I kind of phased them out. They're awesome. Needless to say, you've inspired me to go further than just scanning the archives. To that end, I've just taken delivery of a developing tank and some chemicals, and we'll be getting to work ASAP. Cheers, Adam. Thank you, Adam. Adam gets it. And I will tell you this. Not everybody gets fart jokes. I'm very serious about this. Because of our attitude, our jokey attitude sound effects, we don't get taken serious Mm. by, like, whatever. So when, when websites publish, like, the top 15 photography or film photography podcasts, we don't make the lists. Yeah. There are 15 Screwed photography up. podcasts? Maybe top 10. <laughs> we are not in we, it for the glory. We don't make the list because Yeah, but are they changing people's lives like we are? No. I don't think so. Are they making a difference? They're talking to, they're talking to a crowd of people that are already... You oh, know, I'm glad you said it. that, John, because most podcasts just talk to people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They just talk at them. Like, like experts. Mm-hmm. Unlike like, us, we no, don't care if anybody's listening. To the we don't. Who no, kids? we're we're we don't talk to, we don't talk at you folks. We're talking with you. <laughs> yeah. That's right. And this letter proves it. So everyone else 
out there, you, all you uh, highfalutin people, know it all. Who won't put us on your lists? Stuff it. <laughs> Look up from your camera screen for a second and take a listen. <laughs> we'll be right back, right after this quick message. Now here's Ozzy with news about Biggest Life Pictures. Say, do you know what this is? It's a Kodak 35mm color slide. Not very big, is it? Only two inches by two inches. And yet when you project it on a home screen, you get color pictures as big as life. Now, a Kodak has many fine color slide cameras and a wide range of prices. Here's one I like especially. The new Kodak Signet 50 camera. It has a built-in photoelectric light meter that takes all the guesswork out of exposure. You just aim it at your subject, and it tells you how much light there is or isn't. It's just like having an expert photographer showing you which setting to use. The Kodak Signet 50 camera, complete with flash holder, costs $82.50, or as little as $8.50 down. When you see its many fine features, I'm sure you'll accept no other. Hey folks, Matt Mirage here. I am at the 400 West Rich Studios in lovely Franklinton, a neighborhood of near downtown Columbus. And I'm here with my good darkroom buddy, Mr. Stephen Takis. How's it going, Stephen? Pretty good. We got you here today. I'm here at the West Rich, not just because I'm here souping film, but because you've got some upcoming shows you want to tell uh, some of our FPP listeners about. This month, I'll be showing work at the OSU Faculty Club. The project's called Photo Finishing, and it was all shot in uh, 2010 on Kodachrome slides, uh, right before uh, the last processor in the world, Dwayne's Photo, uh, shut down. Oh, very, wait, so there, are they shots of Dwayne's photo, or are they shots of, what's the uh, content? Um, it's a variety of content. Um, I did photograph at Dwayne's, as well as a bunch of other uh, camera shops, camera repair businesses, and photo finishers at a variety of places across America. I actually started the project in Portland, Oregon, shot in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Lawrence, Kansas, Parsons, Kansas, and a variety of places in between. Oh, so this was like a like a road trip journey of your last role of Kodachrome, basically? More or less. I had uh, more than one role, thank goodness. Oh, good. <laughs> kind of how it all started, I was gifted like a brick of Kodachrome in early 2010, and I didn't at first know what I was going to do with it. Um, I had taken my Nikon uh, into a camera repair shop in town uh, to get refelted, and as I was talking with the owners... Um, I be, kind of became interested more in their history. You know, their business had changed vastly in the last 20 years when they, um, business was booming at one time and they were doing a lot of Polaroid cameras for the BMV in Oregon and they employed 10 people. Uh, when I was uh, visiting them, they were down to one person. You know, the industry had really changed. You know, I was, began thinking about the changes in the industry for them as well as Kodachrome going away and I thought it would be a kind of a perfect pairing. So I began photographing at a variety of photo-related businesses. Very cool. Uh, and then shotgunning right into uh, another show you have coming up that you want to tell our FPP listeners about. Can you tell us a little more about that second show? Uh, the other show will be opening in February at the Columbus Cultural Arts Center. Uh, the reception is February 19th. That's uh, for the Brownie in Motion Project, which I believe we talked, you talked a little bit about uh, a long time ago in an earlier podcast. Yeah. Uh, Brownie in Motion is this portable, uh, room-sized uh, Kodak Brownie camera that doubles as an image capture device as well as a working darkroom. And I've been using that to uh, photograph people who practice disappearing trades and crafts, again, like kind of all over the U.S. It will feature you know, work I shot here as well as uh, stuff I shot uh, in Wyoming while I was recently on an artist residency. Sort of, it'll be, there'll be images that, uh, you know, shot with the camera as well as juxtaposed with photographs of the camera um, at various places all, along the way. Yeah, you were telling me a, a, a while ago, back when we started getting into the darkroom together a little bit more, uh, that the more you did the Brownie in Motion project, the more it also kind of became about where the Brownie ended up not just what you were shooting with it. Yeah, yeah, it sort of took a life of its own. Um, you know, initially I thought it was, you know, just about making the photographs with the camera, but because of the large physical presence of it, um, that became this sort of secondary project that's, you know, inherently wed um, to the other. 
Well, very cool. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Stephen. Uh, we're definitely going to have our FPP folks check out these shows. Again, the dates, uh, the first show, Photo Finishing, uh, starts Friday, January 15th, uh, but it's also going to be on display through February 26, 2016. And his second show, The Traveling Picture Show, featuring shots taken for the Brownian Motion Project, are from February 19th to March 19th at the Columbus Cultural Arts Center. And the reception is Friday, February 19th from 6 to 8 p.m. You can find out more about that at brownieinmotion.org. Stephen, is there any other uh, links you want to give us? Sure. Yeah, you can check out my uh, art website, stacus.com. That's S-T-A-K-A-C-S.com. Well, cool. Thanks a lot, Stephen. Uh, look forward to seeing some more uh, great work come out, of, come out of the Brownie in Motion Project. And uh, just keep us up to date here at the podcast. All right. Will do. Thanks. Thanks. Man's best friend. Make some of man's best pictures. Appealing snapshots, beautiful color slides, lively home movies. Your dog has a personality all his own, so you don't need trick shots or dog show poses. Just watch him quietly, keep your camera ready, and you'll get the kind of picture only you can take. If you can, have a helper who knows your dog. Then, as he talks quietly to your dog, you'll get the kind of alert expression you've been waiting for. A favorite ball or bone is almost sure to bring you an appealing pose like this. And don't forget his friends or acquaintances. And remember, they all look best before a simple background. Of course, you'll want to do as all professionals do and take several shots of every situation. That way you'll be sure to get pictures you'll enjoy over and over again. And whether you make snapshots, color slides, or home movies, always use dependable Kodak film, the film in the familiar yellow box. Hey, Mark, let's talk about a camera. Quick oh, chip. finally. What about the Zorky 4? Oh, the Zorky 4, What's yes. The Zorky 4 is good camera, yes? <coughs> the Zorky 4 is an excellent, excellent rangefinder camera. Um, the one I have oh, here. just like your other camera. I know. I have trouble with the cold shoes, those, those cheap, cold riveted shoes cold mix, shoes. missing. Yep. Take it away. Um, so, yeah, this, so the Zorky 4, these were produced f- uh, for a long time, 56 to 73 but twice a year, it seems like they, they changed them up and they had multiple revisions. Now, let me take a picture, too. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's with the horizon with you. That's all I got. That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> Zorky. We Zorky were talking four. Zorky. So, yeah, the, these were... Wait, sort wait, of wait, wait, wait. What happened to the other three? This is the Zorky 4. <laughs> I don't have a Zorky 1, 2, or 3. Uh, forget this is it. the Zorky 4 we're talking about. All right. Zorky 4. Say it three times. It doesn't even sound like a word anymore. Zorky 4. Zorky 4. <laughs> Zorky 4. <laughs> and you didn't have any ginger ale. Not yet. Anyway, Zorky 4. Yes. Zorky These four. were produced. <laughs> 5673. Um, 56? 1956? 56 to, to 2073. For the folks out there who are listening who are like 17 years old... That's a long time ago. That's the last century. Last century. It's more than like 10 years. So what I've got here, hey, hey, Mike, how's it going? This is the Zorky 4. <laughs> Zorky 4. <laughs> These were produced from 56 to 73. Okay. Bing bong, five minutes past the big hour, five o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> the one I have here, uh, so like I said, they, they had a bunch of different revisions where the skins would change, they would have strap lugs or not, the lenses, this and that, things would change on them. The one I have here if you want to be really specific, is the Type 10. Uh, these were only produced in 1967. Ooh. Um, which doesn't really mean anything. It just means there was something slightly different before. There was Type 9 before and a Type 11 after. But uh, this, is, uh, this is, yeah. How this many is the types type did they go to? Well, there were, there were different types, and then there were revisions within the type. So, like, there's a 9A, a 9B, a 9C. There's a 10. There's an 11A. Wow. So, I, I think there are, I want to say there were 32 different oh variations God. of this one camera. Do you ever see yourself trying to collect them all? No. I, I mean, I, yes. <laughs> no. Really? Yes. yes. But on top, yes. That's the kind of guy I am. But, yes. but no, I, I mean, it's a fun camera, but I'm not completely insane. But of course, there are people who do. But these were produced by um, KMZ, who's a you know, very famous giant Russian factory who made all of the, I mean, the, the Zorky, all the Zenit cameras. It made, oh, they really? made your Horizon camera. They made uh, Moskva. They made... That camera, that plastic camera right there? 
Yeah, anytime everybody who has any Russian cameras will recognize this, but mm. that little logo on the bottom, that is called a dove prism. Oh yeah. So that's that's the logo of the KMZ factory. So okay. if you ever see that Well will you look at that? So a good percentage <laughs> of the Russian cameras were made in that same factory. So all the way wow. up to the horizons um uh, making all this, the the Zenit SLRs up through the 80s. Made in a, in a pretty well-known factory. This is uh, sort of a, they say copy, but it's not really a copy. It's an homage to the Leica II. So it was designed oh. as sort of a poor man's Leica. The rangefinder is very clear on it. It uses M39 lenses. So if you do have Leica lenses, they'll go on to it. Um, these also used, uh, it came with the uh, Jupiter 8 lens, which was a uh, which is a very, very good lens if you can find one. Mine did not come with that. This comes with the, uh, the uh, Indostar 53.5. Were there some lenses with that? Was it a bag of lenses that came with that or no? No, just the one that's on. Hey, Joey, bag of lenses. <laughs> um, I do have, I have a Jupiter 8 and a Jupiter 9 that I can put on it. Is it a manual camera, meaning there's no light meter, right? Fully manual, yeah. Later versions did have a light meter, but this is, the, yeah, this is fully manual. It is a, a rangefinder. It's got a really nice rangefinder to it. It has a really wide range of Fibers. shutters and whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll run from, uh, it goes up to a thousandth of a second, so pretty quick. Considering it's you know a late fifties camera, it's a good rangefinder camera. It's solid. It works great. Cloth shutter, <laughs> good shutter speeds. Uses M thirty nine lenses. If you're a Leica guy, where's the focus on the lens? Yeah, the front ring. It's a little stiff. Is sometimes the focus if it's a little rough or a little uh, you know uh, not smooth. You wind up actually unscrewing the lens instead of focusing. Have you had yeah. that problem? Yeah, definitely. If you are a Leica guy, mm-hmm. but you don't want to bring your Leica to the beach. You can bring this. You can throw, you know, you can throw your lens onto this body. I see. And take it out. Um, uh, it's a beater. Yeah, so you can think of it that way. And because it's Russian, it's built. You know, it's yeah. tough. I feel like I could drop this thing on the ground, and it, it wouldn't really make it any could difference. Could hurt somebody with that real bad. Um, the only thing that's a little inconvenient to use. This was before they had gotten into the thumb wind. The next version of this. The um, the 4K. So you advance it with that little knob there. Yeah. So you, you just do a little, little wind. Yeah. And does it stop automatically? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so the yeah so this is a, is a thumb wind or I mean like a twist wind which is a little complicated the four the next version the four K had a thumb wind um, and the whole to to um, to Open load it up. the whole back comes off yeah, which good. is a little clunky too especially if you're at the beach and then on top of the back coming off uh, your spool comes out uh, so you have to just be careful you don't lose your spool um, whoa have you shot with that I haven't at the moment oh yeah you have not shot with that yet I'm not but it's uh, yeah it's in my plan I actually have a I have a Kiev 4A which oh. is sort of similar to it that I, I have used but I haven't gotten around to shooting with this yet but it's it's on my short list okay but yeah it's a good camera so you recommend it so yeah before yeah I mean like I was saying the nice Fork thing about before. it is that if you if you have m39 lenses from like let's say a better camera like Lakers it's a good workhorse body it, it's tough yeah you know, if you're going camping, taking it to the beach, you don't want to bring your lake out, going to a kid's birthday party, you can use this, but use your use your other lenses. And you can get them cheap. You can get them... Uh, a lot of these Russian cameras, they're on eBay. They're shipping out of the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, so that you can get the camera itself for 20 or $30 with 20 or $30 worth of shipping on yeah. it. But it's worth it. You know, so, so for $50, $40, $50, you can get one of these. Uh, they they claim to be tested. I know a couple of people who have gotten some of those cameras. Dane actually has a uh, a Fed 3 or 4 that yeah. he got from there. And I got a Fed 4. Yeah, it came in fine. So. And it got no problems. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, John's been shooting with his Horizon. It's a, yeah. it's a panoramic camera. And after we record today, we're going to be going to Mr. Mr. Lee. Do you take the tab, like the... the Part of the box and like tape it to the back of your camera so you know. I should probably do that. That's a good idea. I, I just write it. Oh, you just write it. Well, I, I don't. I, actually, I don't even often put the film stock. I'll just say 400-36 or something. I I don't even say if it's Ilford or whatever. Right. If it's black and white, I'll put black and white. Here's some tape, John. Hey, John. Tape. Thanks. Hey, thanks a lot. To the back of the box. When we come back, Mark is going to be doing a second report on a camera. It's called an Olympia Auto Set One. We'll be back. This is the year at the FPP that we shoot Color Slide Film. Color Slide Film is a color positive film traditionally used to make slides that you would put in a slide projector to have slide presentations for your friends and families. These days, you can still put together old-timey slide show presentations, but you could also scan your slide. So in many ways, it's even more fun than shooting color negative because you have the option of projecting your slide or, of course, scanning your slide. Film Farania in Italy, for folks who have been listening to the show, What's the show? know that a brand new color slide film is being introduced. 
So while we're waiting, Retro Chrome FPP has unearthed from a vault color slide film made by Kodak, Kodak Ektachrome, that we're calling FPP Retro Chrome. FPP Retrochrome comes in 160 ISO and 320 ISO. The miles of film that we have acquired has been thoroughly tested. I encourage everyone to go to the FPP online store to try. To try, because many of you out there have never shot color slide film. FPP Retrochrome. Retrochrome. Hey, we're back. Here's a quick letter from Kent. Kent says... Long time no type. It's me, Kent. Of Omaha. I have some film product feedback. Totally dig the Vision 3 hand-rolled film. Here is my experience. I bought a roll of 35mm 250D from your store. That's filmphotographystore.com, folks. Last spring, I shot the roll in Casablanca, Morocco. I manually set the ISO on my Canon Elan 7 with different lenses at the box 250, then 320, and 200. I sent it to the Little Film Lab for processing in high-res scanning. Very pleased. What I noticed is at 250 ISO, it was slightly overexposed. 200 was like snow blindness. I found that at ISO 320, it was Goldilocks perfect. Now I'm going to try the Vision 3 500T. Have to get an 85 filter with a 58mm thread. Keep up the good shoe. Kent. Speaking of Sam Sherman, David Weissman says, This message is from Michael Rosso. I happen to be doing some research on my former employer and came across a picture of you with him. Yes, from 1984 to 1987, I worked for Sam Sherman at Independent International Pictures in East Brunswick. I did not. Yeah. I didn't know you knew Sam. I wonder if he still lives in Old Bridge. And, and collects Exacta and Practica cameras. He really had a thing for them. We met briefly at the FPP event at the Dark Room. Do you remember David Weissman? If you want to rehash the old days, I've got lots of Sam Sherman inter- independent international memorabilia in a box. All the best, David. He's in California. He says, I mostly use Nikon SLRs, although I do have an S3 rangefinder with a couple of lenses. Nothing wrong with any of those. No, thanks, David. I've got actually... In, in my box, I've got my black ass. Oh, my God. Look at that. Camera. That is beautiful. Just put the big ass. Yeah, look at that. That's amazing. That's an amazing-looking camera. There's nothing more beautiful than a black Nikon F. It looks that, That's business. Hey, thanks, David. Hey, David, if you have any photos of Sam Sherman, Independent International, uh, Sam in action at, uh, at IIP, just drop us an email, podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, we'll be right back. Do you love the Film Photography Podcast? Show your support. Visit our online store at filmphotographyproject.com. That's right. Your purchases at our store support this show. What show? (laughs) You're not only supporting the podcast, but you're also supporting our ample giveaway programs and our workshops. Just go to filmphotographyproject.com and click the store button. Good golly, Miss Molly. We're an official reseller of Kodak Alaris Films. That's right. Super amazing. And our very own FPP hand-rolled films. Most notably is the addition of Shmina Films. Shmina from Eastern Europe. Schmina FN64, Photo 100, Photo 200, Photo 400, as well as Eastman Kodak Black and White Motion Picture Film. That's right. Such stocks as Eastman Double X, Eastman High Contrast 5363, and the awesome Kodak Fine Grain 2366. Filmphotographyproject.com. Hey! Thanks. Let's get back to more show. Hey, we're back. Mark, we're going to do one more uh, camera for this show, and Mark's going to talk about the Olympia Auto Set 1. Take it away, Mark. Take it away, Mark. This episode we're doing, we're just splitting it up. We got the good camera, crappy camera going. This is oh. my crappy camera. 
So this is kind of an oddball camera um, that was, uh, it's part of the Regula line of cameras. Regula. Some people may be familiar with these. This was a huge line throughout the 50s and 60s. This particular one is called the Olympia Autoset 1. There was also an Autoset 2, which is basically exactly the same camera. It's your typical aluminum, tinny, leaf shutter, wussy, squeaky camera with the automatic selenium meter on the front. In this particular one, the selenium meter is dead. Dead. So generally, you may be able to tell from my tone of voice, I don't love this camera very much. That's your crappy um, camera, for but sure. it's got a couple of interesting features. One of them, one of, first of all, is it's got a gigantic viewfinder in the, fr- in the window. Oh, I like it. It's like a two-square-inch window in the front. Yeah, it's like watching TV. It's mirrored on the front. I can, Hold that up, John. I can, I can see myself smiling in the camera when you're pointing it at me. Yeah, right. The other thing that's weird about it is the the automatic settings of the camera. The shutter's on the front there. This camera takes no battery. It does not. It's. I wish it had because the selenium meter is dead. It oh, would be, okay. It'd be better if it. Uh, if in fact your selenium meter is dead, can you use it all in manual mode? Well, that's what I was going to say. The, okay. the weird thing about this camera is when you put it into auto mode. All right, um, I'm going to read this to make sure I get this right because it's so strange. When you put it into into automatic mode, what it's selecting is your aperture. The shutter speed is determined by the ISO of the film that you tell it you have in the camera. That's crazy. So it has, it runs from, um, well, it's ASA. It wasn't ISO, but basically the same thing. It runs from ASA 10 up to 200. Mm -hmm. When you have it set to ASA 10, it shoots at 130th of a second. All the way up to ASA 200 will shoot at 1500th of a second. So you can use this in sort of a semi-manual mode if you use your ISO as your shutter, if you think of that as being your shutter That's speed. very strange. It's very, very strange. Um, and then it'll use your apertures. Then it'll automatically select your aperture if your meter works. In this case, it does not. You can switch it off of auto mode and switch it over into the flashbulb mode. Okay. When you switch it into flashbulb mode, this is the, it has two modes, auto mode and flash mode. Flash <laughs> mode sets it to a fixed 130th of a second. Rightly so. But then you can choose your aperture. So then it becomes... A manual camera. In other words... A slightly... It, be, it becomes a box camera where you can, yes, you know, you can select yes. your aperture, but it's a fixed shutter speed. And what do the f-stops go to from what to what? Uh, 2.8 to 22. That's not bad. Yeah, it's not bad. And then it also has a bulb setting. When you switch it, when you switch it into bulb, it automatically fixes itself at 2.8. So wide open and on bulb. So no kidding. It's a kind that's of an crazy, odd, too. It's got some oddball features, yeah. yeah. So it's just kind of a weird camera. Um, where, what, what where, where was the board? That's exactly what I was going to say. I know. Please, where was this camera? Hand. Please raise your hand if you have a question. Where was this yes. camera made? <laughs> what was the land of origin? <laughs> these, are, uh, these are made in Germany. Oh, I, um, I was going to say Chicago. Got a nice little, no, no, no. like, what do you call it? Yeah, I love the little, the little emblem. Why is it called Olympia? Is Mount Olympia in Germany? Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, it is. They yeah. moved it there. It's right downtown Berlin. They have yeah. a mountain, they Olympia. They bought it and moved um, it downtown. Uh, yeah, they were, yeah made by so the little the little logo is the little K King with the crown and shield, yeah. which is King KG. Looks very royal. So that's it. And also, I want to mention. So this is a this is a non-working example, but I just want to talk about it because it's kind of an oddball, and I like oddball things. The way that the yeah, automatic that's an works. oddball thing for sure. But uh, this was donated um, by. Um, Linus, our buddy Linus. Linus BK. Oh, we're talking about California. We're talking yeah. about uh, the FPP Walking Workshops 2015. Yep, he was there. We were hanging out, talking about Tim Minchin. He sent like a big old box to the FPP. Yep. Thank mm-hmm. you, Linus. Yeah, thanks. Was there a whole line of these? Oh, yeah. The regular line was gigantic. There were tons of cameras. Even just in the Olympia Auto set, there were, I think, three, different, three or four different models. Um, but, yeah, Regular was around for decades. Is that the brand, Reg- Regula? No, Regular was like the line. Oh, okay. Like the series. Um, Do you own any other Regulas? I don't know. Oh, you don't? They're, they're a huge line. They made tons of cameras all the way up into the 70s, I think, they were making cameras. Now, but what it's limited, I don't own what it's limited capacity, uh, have you shot with this? No, no, I'm not even going to bother because it doesn't do anything. Hmm. It's, the, the only interesting thing about it is the way the automatic system works on it which is just kind of and you're not a flash you don't like flash photography too much like you wouldn't throw a flash on there and just shoot it no i pretty much never would no and i'm sorry i know you may have mentioned we we didn't mention it but it does have a pc it has a cold shoe with a pc socket so it will shoot with electronic what type of focusing is it uh just zone focus zone focus yeah Uh, but the amazing thing about it is that it'll it'll focus all the way to infinity you know like it's farther than you can even see you know who likes shooting with a flash Dane. Maybe Dane would like to shoot with it, do a test roll. That's true. Do yeah. with that that's, that's a very Dane camera. Yeah, yeah, no I'll, doubt. I'll pass that on to him. And it's the right shape, too. 
odd. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, Lumpy. hey, man, the, the uh, slutty media busted. Great. Exactly. Should we get him on the phone now? Yeah, that saves me one no, thing. Oh, my God. That is your report on the regula? The cool. regular no, Olympia Auto Set 1. What's your good camera? No, no. What's Zorky? What year did that come oh, out? Oh, okay. Uh, the, this particular one uh, was, uh, I forget what the exact year, mid-60s. I, okay. would, I would guess 64-ish, right, based on the tinniness. When we were in England, uh, John and Dane, I don't know why I didn't go, maybe I was sleeping. Yeah, lazy. Uh, they went to a flea market. What's it called? <clears throat> what was it called? I also went. He's the one who got us there. What's it called? The street? It was in Hyde, near Hyde Park, uh, right? I forget. In, in England. It was called the Sutton Street Market. I'm blanking on the name. Yeah. Listen. But yeah, it's a whole, a whole street. I'm, yeah, there were We haven't been, it's amazing that it's been, we haven't been to England since 2012. Can you believe that? Oh, it's too long. That's four years ago. Yeah. That's crazy, right? Yeah, it's too long. Mark? Yeah. I'm, going, I'm going back in the spring. I'm probably going in like March. You are? Yeah. Why? I don't know. You going to go with your family? Cameras. Or by yourself? I'll go with my wife. Yeah. What about, what about us? <laughs> Come along. So dejected. What was that place we stayed? That was a cool place. We can get an apartment. That was an apartment. A yeah, flat. Your wife will love that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you four and... You f- we flatulent four and, and his wife. <laughs> the flatulent four. It's like the hateful eight. <laughs> yeah. Folks, I want to thank everyone for listening. Podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. <laughs> Please send us a letter, an email. Uh, we're at P.O. Box 152, Butler, New Jersey, 07... Zero seven four zero five. If you want to send us that's too many, that's too many numbers. Zero seven four zero five. If you want to send us some goods, some cameras, some donate, you can go to the website, click on the donate tab. We do need uh, cameras. We do need thanks, thanks everyone out there that has sent sent funds. Yeah, we are producing <laughs> minimum. Like we're doing like twenty four <laughs> podcasts. So do you know that if you just if you dropped one dollar per podcast, that's twenty four dollars per year. It's not a lot. Nope. Donate. Go click the donate tab. Empty your pocket. Spreading the love of film <laughs> worldwide. Give till it hurts. Yes, give till it hurts. Give till it kind of hurts. We're going to take a short uh, break next few weeks. We're going to be back in March. This is our big Vinta break. We, I'm not going to announce it officially till the spring, but what I'm going to be doing, we're going to be moving the FPP. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is actually the last recording done in the old FPP studio. Oh, no. I didn't know that. We could have been smashing it this whole time. FPP studio built in the late 1800s. This building was part of the uh, American Hard Rubber Company. They made Bakelite plastic for Kodak. Is that right? That's right. So there was some Bakelite on cameras that were made right here. In the- then, sadly, in the 1950s, there was a huge fire. A fire that, like, if you were in Manhattan, you could see the fire. Rubber burns good. It was an amazing uh, fire. Uh, I don't think anyone was killed. Uh, luckily, um, just like in the Flintstones. Rubber heats best. Just like in the Flintstones, <laughs> most of this building is stone. The facade. The facade stayed. The structure stayed intact. The structure stayed empty till the 80s when a developer came in and, and poorly. Finally, the smell went away. You, you can stop listening if you want. This is, this is extra. <laughs> and This is extra. And this developer came in and poorly blocked out. Like There must be like 50 businesses in this building. But the funny thing is, you turn on the light switch, yeah. and like the light goes on like on the other the side other of the guys. wall. Hey, who's turned on the there's light? There's a plug. You like you you plug something in, and the guy next door is getting the bill. Yeah. Like there's a lot of like doors and windows that like were sealed. Like it's a mess. Yeah. It's like a fun house. It's a catacomb. <laughs> yes, it is. As a matter of fact, when we when used we used to do video editing in that room that is now the FPP yeah. hand roll film room. Yeah. The editors would sometimes trip the would trip the, the trip the breaker. You have to go where? To and the musician, part of the, the the audio guy next door, all his equipment would go down. Oh, you're kidding me! Yeah, so he pissed. He come over and oh like yell God. at uh, Brian, Joe, that guy. Yeah, but I want to thank everyone for listening. I'll give the full report in the spring as to what's going on. Our new address, uh, our old addresses will be uh, good until further notice. So don't worry, we're going to maintain that PO box in Butler for quite a while. Yep. No worries folks and i really want to thank you for tuning in and you're supporting supporting your love for film photography and we'll see you real soon
been thinking we should cut out all the drinking and the fatty stuff. And maybe exercising is a good idea, cause baby, we don't get enough. Girl, it would be so wrong if we don't live for long. Well, I could wear too many coats and maybe you could wear a blanket on your
Lenses, tripod, filters, and flash. Found a flea market Polaroid for ten bucks cash. Safe flight timer, trays, and a tank. For this obsession, the FPP. Yeah, they.